You're listening to Women's Cricket Chat with Hannah and Alex. This episode is brought to you by Black Rat Cricket. Remember, if you quote Women's Cricket Chat, you can get 15% off your team wear. Coming up on our seventh and final podcast for International Women's Week, we've got Sue Strachan. Now, Sue made history by becoming the first female president in Scotland's history. Sue talks about her career as a doctor, about how health is important and how she wants to make and implement changes for the better for Scotland. The theme of International Women's Day is Choose to Challenge. So what does Choose to Challenge mean to you? Choose to Challenge means you have a choice, which is good. I like choice. But there are so many things to challenge. It's hard to know what to prioritise. So I think as the first president of Cricket Scotland and as a first female president and as a woman, then I have to choose to challenge sexism in sport, particularly in cricket, but also in other sport as well. So that's what I'm going to choose to challenge. And what does International Women's Day mean to you as obviously a strong woman within the sports space? I think it's a time to reflect on how far we've come. You know, I'm 57 and we've come a long way in those 57 years. And I hope I can be just a little part of that. So it's a time to to celebrate what we've done and also to look forward with huge optimism to what we can do. And, you know, what opportunity young women in all spheres of life can have in the future um, because of some of the hard times people have gone through and, and the strength people have had in the past. Here we are now doing this. And, you know, I can't see us going backwards. I can only see us going forwards. But I am an eternal optimist. So, you know, I'm probably annoyingly positive. So I would say that, wouldn't I? I love the optimism. And that's why I was so excited to speak to you today as well, because we caught up before doing the article for Fair Break Global. And that's what made me want to stay in contact with you. All of that enthusiasm. I was like, that's who I want to be like. like. I would love to be a leader like yourself. So... You've given me that see it to be it, which is obviously really special. But we have been a little bit sneaky and got some messages from the Wildcats about (laughs) you as a person and obviously your leadership and what you actually mean to the team. So, Alex, are you okay to read the first one? Yes. The first one is from Abtahar and she says, The team would honestly be so lost without Sue. She's an amazing manager who always succeeds in making sure every single person in the team feels comfortable and cared for. She's such an important part of the Wildcats and we appreciate everything she does. Yeah, that's me. You've started me off already. Abtaha, you know, what an amazing girl. What amazing young woman. What an inspiration to everybody. And she is, you know, an amazing role model for so many reasons. So that means a lot to me. Well, we're not stopping there because we have a few more. So we've got from Becky Glenn. So I'd say this, the most kind-hearted human. She makes you want to run through any obstacle because you know she'll be right there holding your hand. A true inspiration to the team, Cricket Scotland and just Scotland in general. Oh, Becky Glenn. Well, you know, I I figure that I'm there to just add strength to these young women and as they follow their dreams, you know, um, and it's tough out there as a young woman for so many reasons. And so... I want to be just a little bit of extra strength for them. And when I'm there with the team, I want to make sure that coaches can coach and they can concentrate on that and the players can play, knowing hopefully I've got everything else sorted 
to facilitate that so they feel I've got their backs they feel I'm always there if they're troubled or if we're celebrating or if we're commiserating you know I always want to be there for them so that's nice to hear that they feel that too. The next one is from Abby Aitken and she says Sue is one of a kind her energy kindness passion for life and slightly crazy nature make her such (laughs) a fun and great person to be around I really don't know how she achieves and juggles everything she does in life she must have more hours in the day than anyone else I know but the one thing I'm certain about is that we're incredibly lucky to have her at Cricket Scotland and Abby you know Abby's an inspiration to what a competitor what an amazing cricketer and to have come from being captain of Scotland at such a young age you know her knowledge her experience is amazing and again I hope you know I tend to see the best in everyone. I'm always looking for the best in people. And sometimes people disappoint me, but Abby Aiken never disappoints me. I always get the best and I always see the best in her. And she gives the others so much strength as well. You know, just being there and being this sort of experience and knowledge but at the same time having the passion you know somebody had posted a picture of Abby celebrating a wicket on Twitter and the passion you know that's what you get when you get Abby Aitken you get the passion and also doing that whilst working for Cricket Scotland is quite difficult to think because she has two hats on a bit like I have two hats on so I think she's an amazing woman and we're not done yet so we've got a another message which is from Lorna Jack legendary of course <laughs> the legend that is Lorna Jack Sue is an absolute hero she jumps through hoops to keep us going whether that be her all-round enthusiasm throughout the year or simply just getting a kettle when your hotel rooms don't have one she is our biggest fan and we are hers did somebody say tequila no not at this time of day anyway I've known Lorna for a while because when my daughter was playing in the under 17s and then got a couple of senior caps Lorna made her feel really welcome and she's made me feel welcome as well and I know that you know the team runs on tea and if you don't have tea you don't have the wildcats so when we arrived in Holland and we found out that nobody had coffee and tea making facilities in the hotel in their rooms and I asked how much it would cost to upgrade to a room with coffee and tea making facilities and I decided that actually just to buy our own coffee and tea making facilities might be easier so Charlotte Dalton who's the S&C and the analyst with the team and I set off and bought a kettle and we appropriated some mugs from the canteen and we basically we made my room into a little cafe so it was like Sue's old cafe sadly I couldn't bake cakes or anything like that But at least we had tea and, you know, life was better. And it allowed me to give the kettle at the end to a young student who was playing for Holland, who had just moved into a new flat and didn't have a kettle. So we could give her that as well. So we could, you know, start her off too. So it was a win-win for me. But I hope that I'm a pragmatist and I hope that I'll find a solution to most things if it's findable. And it might be slightly off the wall sometimes and people might just think really because I'll have thought it up in my head and I'll think it's a really good idea but sometimes other people can't make that leap but I think that's the bit I bring to the team I'm not very good at detail but I'm really good at big picture stuff this is the last one unfortunately there's no name with it so whichever player it is if you'd like to get in contact with us on twitter at wcricketchat then feel free but the player says Sue does a lot of great work behind the scenes at Cricket Scotland to try and progress the game and the organisation forwards. She also puts a huge amount of time, 
effort and love into the women's national team, which particularly over the last year, when there's been a lot of change and uncertainty for us as a squad, has been an incredible source of support for us. We're very lucky to have her and all the passion and drive that she brings. I don't know who that would be, but whoever it was, thank you. You know, it's hard to play international sport for a country that doesn't have a huge amount of funding, and particularly women's international sport. And so it's always, I suppose I recognise that balancing act that our players have to have between studies or work, life and their cricket. And I suppose with the way I live, with lots of different competing things, trying to take up time, I have an understanding, I suppose, an empathy as to how it can be sometimes and how difficult it is to feel you're doing your best at every different bit. So if I can make that easier for them, if I can represent the women's game generally and the women's team at board meetings, at discussions about the way forward, then I will do because I understand the sacrifices they make to be in their position. And I just want them to have the opportunity to follow their dreams, whatever they might be. Every word you speak is so passionate and it comes from such, it's coming from a good place and you genuinely believe in improving the game for the better and that's being echoed by all of your players which we have to thank Sarah Bryce for getting all of these messages sent across to us at relatively short notice as well so a massive thank you to both Bryce sisters because they do come as a package don't they? They do rather yes I mean that they are again they're two just amazing young women and they are very different in ways but they're sort of like they're like a yin and yang Together, they are more than the sum of their parts, but both of them separately, you couldn't meet nicer young women with better attitude to life, to sport, to their teammates and to, you know, sort of the cause as well. And so, yeah, so they're, they are very different, but they complement each other beautifully. They definitely do. And I guess the first question is, how did you get into cricket? What did that path look like? And did you ever play yourself? As a youngster, I played every sport. I'm not a very fast runner from A to B in a straight line. But give me a ball and something to hit the ball with and I'm good to go. And I used to watch cricket on the TV and I used to listen to cricket. So some of my young memories are having a little, what they call the transistor radio, which had one single earpiece on a wire and lying in bed at midnight meant to be asleep as a youngster, probably eight, nine, ten, listening to the Ashes tour in Australia because, you know, with the time difference and just hiding from my mum while I listened to TMS and listened to the Ashes tour. So I love to watch cricket, but I just didn't get the opportunity to play because girls didn't play cricket in those days, unless you were very lucky to be in particular places. And so although my parents were really good at giving me the opportunity to try as many sports as I liked, and at school, I was lucky to be in a school that you could play lots of sport. There was a boys cricket team, much like there was a boys squash team, but it just wasn't open to us. There was no opportunity. So I couldn't play cricket as a youngster. I just, I played hockey. Um, I played a lot of squash as a youngster. I played netball. I played badminton and tennis, just basically anything with a ball. And you know, I went through life, I went, you know, I was I was a good squash player. And then I went to university and studied medicine. And the way the junior doctor's hours were at that time, it was just, I couldn't do both. And so I gave up all my sport. And it took me quite a long time to get back to it. So I maybe had 10 years being a junior doctor, 
having children. And then I realized there was something missing and something that I would really like to do to, to make me feel better and, and to give me back the joy. And I'd sort of forgotten how much joy. And I tried various, I tried golf, but it took too long. I don't have time to play golf. So I got back to squash and my squash club and tennis club and cricket club are all together. And so in 2012, Cricket Scotland decided to have a women's premier league and we're looking for clubs that could put a women's team in. And because I was always around the club with my with my tennis and my my squash, somebody said to me, could you get 11 people together and make up a cricket team? So my daughter was one of those. And my my friend Mags, who's um, a master's hockey player who I play tennis with, is my sporty sister because I don't have a real sister, but she's as close as it gets. So Mags and I and our two daughters and a few of the girls from the, the girls football club, which I was chairing at the time, all got together and some of the hockey girls and we made up a team and we started to play. And for me, uh, that was great. Just getting involved in cricket, just having the chance to have a bat in my hand. And so I've just sort of played a bit. I'm very, very average, having learned at age 48 starting. You know, it's hard to put the pathways in your brain. And don't ask me to bowl because I just I can't bowl. So I've adopted the wicketkeeper batter approach so I can avoid bowling because you can't bowl as a wicketkeeper. So I don't have to go through that embarrassment. Uh, I'm not the most stylish batter, but I've got a good eye for a ball. And as Catherine White, ex-Scotland player, said to me one day, See ball, hit it, Sue. That's all you need to do. Just see ball, hit it. So that's my approach to batting. And I really enjoyed being part of the team sport again. And I really enjoyed just having a chance to play cricket, which I'd never had a chance to do before. And so then Cricket Scotland were looking for the first board member to represent clubs with girls and women's teams. And that was, and would that be 2015? And somebody, in fact, it was Catherine White said, well, you know, we'd like to nominate you to do that. So because I'd been on the board of, of Scottish Women's Football, I had some experience on a, on a sports governing body board. And because I'd been chairman of a, a girls football club as well. So I went on the board as the first representative of, of women's cricket, basically, on the board. And that was challenging, but I love a challenge, you know. And so I decided I would approach it in a very positive way. Um, so every time they said something about the Scotland team, I would say the Scotland women's team or the Scotland men's team. And every time they said something about the pathway, I would say, is that the girls' pathway or the boys' pathway? And every time they said, right, lads, or okay, gents, I would say, <laughs> so that was where they were then. And to be fair, the, the CEO, Malcolm Cannon, at the time was very pro-women's sport. He has a daughter who plays hockey quite high level. And so she got at him, definitely. And he realized how difficult it was to find the opportunity and to be supported in your in your dreams if you wanted to do women's sport. So he was very supportive. And the board gradually found out that actually, you know, if we are a bit more diverse at board level and in the, the opportunities that we offer, then we are stronger. And so I, you know, I am diversity and opportunity are, are my things. They're they're, you know, my go-to things. I think that we make better decisions as a group if we're a diverse group. We need to represent the people that might be involved in our sport and find out how we can be more welcoming to people that have never felt welcome to it before. And as somebody who came in from somewhere else with experience from other sports, I hope I can bring some things from the other sports into cricket in Scotland. But mostly it's about saying, look what we have in our community you know this is a 
this is the only sport that I've ever been able to play in the same team as my daughter, my son and my husband. You know, and yes, it was like, you know, midweek T20 cricket, but to just be standing on the field with my whole family there, all playing for the same team, you know, that's that's very precious to me. And the joy of just learning a new sport at no matter what age, trying to get to whatever standard suits you, the, the joy of being part of a team and being part of a women's team who, you know, in our team, certainly, and I think with many, many women's team, there's no judgment you know, and it's judgment that we fear when we come into sport, I think, as women, because we are our worst critics ourselves. The voice in my head is always going to be the worst critic. And I have had to learn that over the years. But lots of people don't realise that. They, they fear the judgment. And so if I can open up the whole thing and say, come and join us, you know, together we're stronger. Together we can have more fun. Um, together we can develop more interesting ways of doing this, then why wouldn't I be part of that? And I suppose coming to cricket in Scotland late with that ethos in my head, you know, that there sort of was only one way to go and it was up. So, you know, we needed to become more diverse. We needed to be more welcoming. And so if I could be part of unlocking some of those doors, then that's a really exciting thing to do. And it's, you know, um, Maureen McGonigal, who's Scottish Women in Sport chair, said to me, you know, it's quite fun to be a pioneer sometimes, isn't it? And yes, it is. You know, it's good to be out there and say, why do we do it this way? And then when someone says, well, we've always done it that way, to be able to say, well, how about we do it slightly differently now? How about we change it up a bit? How might we refresh this and, and make it better? So I can't even remember what your original question was, but that's how I got involved in cricket. And then in 2017, somebody asked me if I would help out the Wildcats by being their travelling manager. You know, it's a volunteer role um, and the physio had done it before, but it was quite difficult being the physio and being the manager. So I uh, went up to Dundee and um, spent some time with the Wildcats and I just loved it, you know. Uh, what a lovely bunch of young women striving for better performances, for better funding, for better recognition. You know, if I can help them do that in some way or other, then I'm really pleased to be part of their journey. You touched on changing the landscape of Cricket Scotland and making it more inclusive and diverse. How are you hoping to implement that through your role as president? It's been difficult last year because of COVID. So I sort of had to wait an extra six months to become president. But whilst I was doing that, anybody who talks to me about cricket in Scotland will hear, we need to be better. We need to be more welcoming. We need to tell people what we can offer them. So one of the things that happened when I took over the presidency was that the chairman who had previously been chair of the Equality, Diversity, Inclusion Action Group advisory group uh, said to me would you take over the chair of this because this is obviously your thing and I thought I've got an opportunity now and so I sit as the chair of that group we've now changed the group's name to the equality delivery group because we're going to deliver stuff rather than just advise people about things and we now have a group that has more representation from different parts of cricket in Scotland that has some staff members who are who are focused and within the communities that we're trying to reach and whose job it is to do that. And between us, I think we can really change the landscape. I think we can, I, what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to reach out to communities where we haven't reached before, 
that but you would expect we might so I want to be able to reach out particularly to the the ethnically diverse communities uh, we have a lot of South Asian families and we have a big community in Scotland that's originally from India Pakistan Bangladesh Sri Lanka where cricket is just part of your DNA and so that's something that I want to celebrate and I want to help people from those communities feel more welcome in mainstream cricket in Scotland for example Cricket Scotland now run tape ball leagues in Glasgow in the wintertime, not this winter because of COVID. But the tape ball leagues sound amazing fun. And so, you know, I would really quite like us to, to see whether we could maybe roll out tape ball other places that we can take the, you know, this sport from South Asia and we can we can actually roll it out across Scotland because we have people who know how to do it. We have people who can show us how much fun it is, you know, and it's a perfect entry level, I think, for beginners. So there's not much for beginner adults out there uh, in many sports, in fact, but certainly in cricket. And we've improved what we're doing for women. So we've got women's softball. And, you know, we have huge thanks to the to the ECB because they're much better funded than us and bigger. And so sometimes when they develop these programs, they let us sort of tag on in with them. And that's hugely helpful for us. So the women's softball Peace, I think, is going to grow and grow because it's fun and it's short and people can fit it into their busy lives. So why don't we have an equivalent for men? Why don't we have beginner's cricket, you know, which you can start with a softball and some people um, might want to progress to hardball cricket, but some people don't. Some people just want to play a game that's fun and we should be able to find a game that's fun for everybody, all age. You know, we've got all stars, five to eight year olds, we're starting to do sort of leg- legends cricket, we're calling it, which is um, the equivalent of walking football, but for cricket. You know, my dad's 83, and I said to him, oh, Dad, would you do walking cricket? And he was like, yeah, I'd do that. Uh, the only problem is he wouldn't walk, he would run. But, you know, so if we can do this, I don't have very long as president. That's the only problem. So I only have till 2022, April 22 as president, but then I have another year as past president. So if I can just move us along that pathway a little bit and open some doors and talk to people, you know, go to clubs and go to communities uh, and say, tell me, you know, tell me what you want from us. Tell me how we can help you. And, you know, let's engage in this together rather than us deciding what you need and you saying, well, that's not what we need. So let's talk about it. Let's try and find a way that, that we can have cricket all over Scotland, we've got masses of cricket grounds and we can open it all up again and we can say, come be part of this. It's it's outdoors, it's fun. You don't need much equipment, so you can play it really cheaply. You can play all ages. Um, it's great for your mental health. It's great for your physical health. It's a great feeling of community and social cohesion and everybody needs that. So why not do it with cricket, you know? A hundred percent and... One thing you just mentioned there as well is opening up the dialogues with people. And it sounds so straightforward and so obvious, but so many leaders forget it. They forget to talk to their potential, I guess, it's not really customers, community, I guess. They forget to talk to their community, the wider community, and they make perhaps judgments without actually consulting these voices. So what has been largely the barriers that people have mentioned to not getting included within cricket at the moment? What is going on there do you think because you talk about obviously diversity but also inclusion and when people talk about diversity they often use it quite empty and fringly like oh yeah we need to be diverse but what does that actually look like 
Yeah. And I don't think you get diversity till you are inclusive, until you are purposefully, deliberately inclusive. And particularly when you sit on a board and you look around the room and everybody looks the same, how are you going to make decisions that will improve your diversity without having decision makers from different communities, from different groups in the room with you? So um, I think it's about talking. I I think in Scotland, cricket, the perception of cricket traditionally has been that it's a posh person sport and it's probably English, so you wouldn't want to play it. And traditionally, I think it has, well, initially it wasn't a posh person sport and then it sort of got that, you know, it's partly, you know, who wears white outfits, you know? Why would you want to wear all white? Um, I've never been seen in all white except um, when we used to have to play squash in all white. But, you know, so the perception has been of a stuffy, elitist, posh person sport that probably came from England. And actually, we have to change that perception. And, you know, the perception I have being a little bit involved in cricket at the start has grown and grown, which is that actually this is for everyone. But we have to find a way of helping those people feel welcomed in. So we have to reach out to the communities that have either not, we haven't reached out to before, or we've reached out to, but they haven't felt welcome. There have been barriers. And we have to say, what are the barriers? For example, if you look at Cricket Australia and the work they've done on women's cricket, you know, they've looked at what are the barriers? You know, tell us what the barriers are to you becoming involved in our sport. And then we can look at them. And and often there are things that you just wouldn't have thought of if you're there within the sport. Tell us what those barriers are. You know, for example, some of the the ethnically diverse communities, there will be some communities where women are not allowed to play sport in a mixed environment. And it may be that if you're not from that community, you didn't know that. And so you offer mixed something because you think that's a really good idea. And that you immediately exclude half of that community. So if you have somebody from that community to explain to you what the barriers are, then you can think of the solution. And then you can say, look, we've got this and we've developed this by engaging with you, by asking you. So you're part of this as well. So it's not even just we've asked you, you're part of the change. And so everybody feels more valued, feel their opinion is valued. They feel more empowered. They feel more welcomed. And then they become part of the journey and part of the team. And then, you know, as, as you get more people involved, then it becomes easier and it, then success just accelerates. But you have to get more people involved at the grassroots and in the boards, but also through the umpires and officials, through the coaching network, through the pathways. You have to get people involved in all of those because you need diversity in all of those places to ensure that you don't exclude by accident. So it's, it is all about inclusion. It's all about saying, for example, we, we have asked that our new Cricket Scotland strategy, which is just about to come out for the next two or three years, one of our new values is inclusion. And it was never a value before. And I don't think it was, I think people just didn't realise that, that it could be, but it has to be at the bottom of, it's like the foundation every other bit has to stand on because if you have inclusion then immediately you have this bigger stronger foundation and you can build on that if you have exclusion then you've got a shaky foundation and you're never be going to be able to build something really really amazing that was a long answer for a short question <laughs> Sorry. you do not need to apologize whatsoever because I don't know like if you even realize how powerful your words are genuinely what this podcast is about as well is giving a voice 
to people like yourself, a different platform to engage our audience, whether they're young girls getting into the game, young boys, whether it's former players, whoever it may be to listen and take away some inspiration. One of the questions that I've got is obviously you were the first ever female president of Scottish cricket in 140 years. Yeah. So why do you think perhaps roles in the past has been so kind of male dominated and obviously we we hear all the time like oh sport is a male domain and stuff like that which needs to be challenged so I guess linking back to that choose to challenge theme what are your thoughts about trying to get more women into these high profile leadership roles? I think they would never have asked me to be president without me sitting on the board first Um, and without them sort of sussing me out on the board I presume so it is opening opportunity it's all about opportunity it's opening up opportunity at all different parts of the game and then allowing and supporting progress through that as well and it's really important to have to have allies to have people who will who will give you that leg up sometimes and hopefully as we start to have more women in the game we have more allies throughout that we'll be able to give somebody else an extra step and you know being first is is I always wanted to be the first woman to do something just anything so this is my thing so being first to do something as a as the first woman to do something nobody has to be that ever again nobody has to be the first so you know I will lie down and allow the next person to use me to step up I hope and at the same time, it's a huge responsibility as well. So I really need to not mess up, don't I? Because if I mess up, then, you know, they're going to say, oh, that was that strange woman who was president for a couple of years. We'll just forget about that time. So it's a huge responsibility too. And that responsibility to ensure that that you not only grow the game and grow the opportunities for people like you, but that you also do that for other people as well you know, as a minority group, women, then, you know, I I look across and I think, I'm actually, I've got more opportunity than lots of people have. I've got more opportunity than lots of other groups have. So it's my responsibility to give those other groups to widen their opportunities and give them opportunities. Because if I don't do that, then who is going to? So I think if we all try and just remember that somebody gave us the opportunity to get involved, and do the same for other people, then before we know it, then we become more diverse and more people have opportunity. And the more people have opportunity, the more people want to become involved. And the more people see what we do, the more people might want to become involved because they might think, oh, I could maybe find a place there. You know, I maybe wouldn't get judged there for being slightly different. Maybe they would embrace my difference and say, oh, this is interesting. You're slightly different to me. You know, I want to learn from you. I want to to find out how it is to be you in this situation. And so I'm hoping that that that's what I can do. And I, I think I think we're getting there, but it does seem to take so long. Um, but there will come a tipping point, I think, that, you know, and even now when when I look on social media and I see there's Charlotte Edwards, president of the uh, Professional Cricketers Association, there's Claire Connor and the MCC. You know, I, I see names of, of other women doing amazing things. You guys doing your podcast, you know, you are part of this, which is, I hope, a supportive community that we're in all different parts of it. But if we can all just give each other a little bit of support, then together we're stronger, you know. 
And we will probably have more understanding of the other people who feel like we felt than perhaps somebody who's a 55-year-old white male, Scottish male who went to a private school and lives in Edinburgh and has always played cricket since he was small. You know, who who just, it's not his fault he might not have any understanding of how it feels to be me. But I I will probably have more insight into other people feeling different and feeling less confident about about just arriving on the scene, I hope. So if we can all do that, our little bits, then together we'll get there. Obviously, becoming the president of Scotland Cricket is an amazing achievement and to be the first female must be a a huge honour. How do you balance your role at Cricket Scotland and your job as a doctor? It's quite difficult, particularly this last year. So I had a plan. I've always worked part time because I've always had too many other things to do. And so I had a plan that in May of last year, I was going to drop down my sessions as a doctor a bit so that I could really have some fun with being president and really, you know, be able to go and visit as many cricket clubs as possible. You know, in my head, I have this plan to to go out and visit clubs and to talk to people in the clubs, to go to the likes of the tape ball, to do, I want to do a president's blog, a little bit like sort of captain's log from Star Trek. And that's what I have in my head. So I'd have a president's blog, which will just talk about what the president's doing and have some photos of different clubs that I've been to and people that I've spoken to and just a little bit of chat about you know what's going on and I couldn't do that with the number of sessions I was working so I'm not quite ready to retire yet but there's so much else to do and I sort of feel I had a really difficult decision to make when somebody phoned me and said would you do this because I knew I couldn't do both well together and I thought you know I don't want to finish my life thinking would have could have should have and so Maybe this is an opportunity for me to go, right, okay, I've been a doctor for 35 years now. So maybe I should do some other things that maybe other people don't do. So in my head, I was going to do a lot of the Cricket Scotland stuff. I was also going to renew my squash coaching badges and do some women's squash coaching. Sort of try and do the assistant coach job for the women's softball, maybe. And you know, women's sport and girls sport is my thing. And so I feel I should sort of play to my strengths and try and get more people involved and try and share the joy that I get from sport with other people. And the way to do that is to be out there doing it, to be out there, you know, with with friends who have come to the softball who always thought they were really bad at sport and to get them hitting a ball and to celebrate that, you know, celebrate the small successes. You know, if somebody catches a ball three times out of four after half an hour and they would only catch it once before the half hour, you know, let's celebrate that. And the feeling of achievement that you can get with, I think, almost more with adults who are learning sport and who are coming to sport, the feeling of achievement that they go away with, if you can manage to help them learn something new and also silence that critical voice in their head just a little bit is great you know so I would be a adults coach but an adult beginners coach that would be where I would put myself because I think that bit is really important so yeah it's a difficult balance I'm doing it's difficult some weeks like last week I had two board meetings for Cricket Scotland and some stuff to do with the Wildcats and at the same time we've still got patients coming in with COVID so I've, I've changed my working pattern slightly I work shifts now Shifts and meetings rather than 
my old job. So I've actually got a new job since COVID. It's slightly different, but it allows me maybe just a little bit more flexibility. And at some point, I'll probably say, actually, I can't do this. I need to cut down a bit more. But I think that I have... I think I have something to give to to people who want to take up sport that maybe they won't get from other people, whereas doctoring they can get from lots of doctors. So I sort of feel it would be a shame not to run with that a bit uh, and not to, you know, actually share that joy of sport and that joy of, you know, the health part of it's really important to me too, because I'm a doctor. So how much healthier people are when they're out playing, but, you know, Doing the women's softball and doing cricket, which I've also been doing in the club for a couple of years now. I find myself, we were playing the stupid game at the end of cricket one day, and there was 10 of us, all grown-up women, well, grown-up adult women. And we were running about playing a game that you would normally have played at school. And the joy of being allowed to run about like a 10-year-old when you're 57 is huge. And when nobody else really, really talks about having... Or, or even encourages you to have fun. You know, women aren't often encouraged to have fun, really. And so, uh, you know, there were people and there was a lot of laughing and a lot of mucking about and a lot of sweaty faces. And suddenly people forgot about the fact that they were a bit sweaty and they didn't really think they would like being sweaty. And instead, they're running off to get the ball. And, you know, all of that, all of that, all together is something that I think that I can do for other people. And if I can do that for other people now, instead of some of the doctoring I was doing, then great, I'm going to go with it. A hundred percent. And as you touched on earlier, it's not your role. isn't just about the women either. It's about men as well. And I think perhaps there can be ideas of kind of toxic masculinity around sport, perhaps that does put off some guys from getting involved with cricket like you mentioned so I just want to make sure that people listening to this podcast as well are hearing that cricket is a game for them regardless of ability gender and I guess as well I'd love to know what kind of tips you have for others to be able to set up clubs that are more inclusive. I think it is a cultural thing and I think some clubs it's difficult because the club will have been set up by people who play hardball cricket, who play, you know, 50 over or 40 over cricket at a weekend. And it's all set up around about that. And you, you know, you have juniors come in and then as soon as they're able to, you introduce the hardball because that's cricket. And that's how it's done. And, you know, I've been very lucky in, in Dumfries and my club. Um, we have the most patient coach known to humankind, Hugh Farris, who is like Mr. Cricket. He's played cricket all of his life. I think he was born. I think he came out of the womb with a ball in his hand bowling, you know. And so we were quite a challenging group for him to start with because we didn't really want to learn all the technique. We just wanted to learn enough that we could really, you know, we could play a game. And then some of us wanted to learn a bit more, but some people didn't. Some people didn't really want to learn to play cricket. They just wanted to come along be part of something, be part of this community, have some fun, run about a bit, learn some skills. And it's almost like the cricket club for us is probably not as alien because there are other sports within our club. But for many clubs, it's a completely alien place for most people who haven't had cricketers in their family and particularly for women. And all the cricket that they ever saw on the TV was test match cricket with people in full whites and it seemed to last forever and nothing much happened. And sometimes it was even in black and white. 
So until you understand the game of cricket, then test cricket does look exceptionally dull, I think. You know, notwithstanding, once you understand, it is the ultimate test of a cricketer. Absolutely. But, you know, so that's the perception. So we have to break those perceptions while still keeping the traditional cricket going at the same time. And that's the difficult bit, I think, while still saying, actually, this is one form of the game. But now we have all these other forms of the game. So, you know, we have we have test cricket, we have 50 overs, we have some people playing 40 overs, we have T20, we have junior cricket, we have so- women's softball cricket, we have cricket, which is high intensity interval training and cricket mixed up. We have all stars, we hopefully we'll have dynamos this year. So we have all these different forms, we have tape ball, we have last man stands. So it's like a huge big menu, isn't it? And if a club can look at the menu and look at it and say, right, I think if if clubs just remain with traditional cricket, they're going to struggle. So to strengthen that club is to say, right, okay, well, what else can we offer? How can we broaden our offer? Because that's life now. You have to broaden your offer. So what bits could, other bits could we put in place that would expand our community and would make other people feel welcome? And how do we do that? And that's where Cricket Scotland comes in in Scotland. Our development officers come in and they say, what would you like to do? These are all the things we can help you do. How can we support you to deliver that and to develop people to deliver that as well? But the more people you have, the less each person has to do. And the more you feel part of a team and part of your own little community. And so once you have a club that realises that actually they can be a happier cricket club and they have a better team at the end of it probably because there are so many more people involved that more people will come in and go through the traditional pathway but then you can have all these other people involved in different parts and you're more the sum of your parts you know you you you, there you've got a community and then you've got maybe a mum who's got a sporty kid who's going to look for somewhere that they think that child might be happy and somewhere they would be happy watching them or they might even be able to get involved. So we have the juniors on and we take um, some of the parents and we do cricket with them. So they don't have to sit and breeze to death because it's quite cold in Scotland in early summer and in midsummer and in late summer. So instead of sitting freezing, they can come across and they get a workout and then they can meet up with their child and talk about what they did. And, you know, they, they've both learned a bit of cricket and they've both got an experience and they both had fun, and they both feel mentally better for it and physically better for it. So they're much more likely to come back. And then that mum, say, might get involved in the women's softball because it looks like quite fun as well. And that child might go through the pathway or might do just, you know, recreational cricket. And before you know it, you've got more people in at the base and therefore you have a stronger pathway, therefore you have stronger representative teams. And, you know, in my head, I have, you know, I can sort of, see this picture where all the cricket clubs are full of people doing lots of different stuff you know it's a big space you can do loads of stuff in that space doing loads of stuff all coming together at the end of it having a bit of a laugh maybe having a beer together or a juice or you know a barbecue um, on a summer evening and all feeling part of that same community and you know how great would that be if all cricket clubs were like that so it's it's trying to help people and support them to develop little extra bits. And as the extra bits add on, sort of bolt on extra bits, then after a little while, it almost becomes easier and, you know, it grows itself then, in my head anyway. I guess the main thing as well, what you're talking about, 
is obviously with structures. So we've spoken about recreational, we've spoken about what you've done for clubs and everything, but now thinking about the elite teams, obviously this year we've had brilliant results with two of the Scotland players being ICC associate cricketers of the decade, so Catherine and Kyle. So I guess that gives you a lot of pride. But what work does need to be done within the structures at that elite level? Because when you look at international sides and stuff, I think people assume that they're pro athletes, they get everything there, they've got coaches, they've got spin coaches, they've got batting coaches. Like You think the whole setup is in place, but we yeah. know from speaking to Abdaha, it's not quite there it's at the moment. It's not like that, is it? How are you driving people, that? People see the ECB, they see England cricket. And they see the fact that they have a big national training centre, that they have the county grounds that all have great facilities, and they have a lot of money going through the system. And the way the ICC works, for people who don't know, is that they have full members, which are the, the countries that you will have heard of as playing cricket. So, you know, India, Pakistan, England, Australia, New Zealand. So the ones that you'll heard of, and, and, and more recently, Ireland and Afghanistan. And then they have what they call associate members, which are, we're associated to the ICC, but we haven't quite achieved full membership. Now, originally, presumably, full membership was just like being part of a club. But now there are specific things that you have to achieve in order to become a full member. And it's really difficult because full membership comes with it a lot more funding and a lot more opportunity for your international teams to play other teams. But to get there, you have to beat some of the teams that are full members, both in the women's and the men's game. And that's really difficult because you then have to perform better than professional athletes, despite the fact you're not professional athletes. And despite the fact that your governing body is not funded to the level that theirs are. And so therefore you have to do it with less support, uh, with less finance, with poorer facilities. You know, it has so many effects on athletes with great potential. So it's a real, it's sort of like a catch-22. It's a real conundrum. And we've got to the stage that we're almost in Cricket Scotland. We've almost managed to achieve the criteria for full membership. But we need some really good performances at international level. And that makes it really difficult for our international teams and our players because they know how much rides on every game. And I think Kyle Kurtz, the men's captain, talks about this sometimes. You know, we don't have that much international cricket because you have to pay to take a team and support. And, you know, you have to stay somewhere, you have to fly somewhere. You know, it's, it's a lot of finance. And if you don't have that finance, then you can't afford to go wandering around the world playing cricket. For example, I can't imagine the ECB's women's team manager is a volunteer. They would think that was a really bizarre idea. But so we have to do a lot with a little. And considering how little we have, I think we do an amazing job. But getting us to that next level is difficult. And it's always that, you know, the law of diminishing returns when you're an athlete, for example, it's easy to progress the first bit. And then the, the last little bits are always take so much more work to get you just that last little bit up. And so for me, it's about trying to find ways to get our players more international cricket so that each game isn't so huge apart from anything else. Because, you know, all cricket teams have a bad game. The England women have bad games. You know, the Australian women have bad games. So our team should be able to have bad game without it having a huge knock-on effect on everything. So more international cricket and more time on task with coaches and also facility to do that. And, you know, that's all finance, 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 finance. So we have, at least this year, 
just appointed our first full-time head coach for the women's team, Mark Coles. Up until now, we've had Steve Knox working part-time, Peter Ross working part-time, trying to coach a national women's team who are scattered about the country because they're all at school, university, doing jobs. It's not like they all you know, live around the same place. We don't have somewhere like Loughborough where everybody can go to university and then they can all play cricket, you know. So I loved Loughborough. I wanted to stay at Loughborough forever when I went down there. But anyway, so it's really difficult to do. And they have done an amazing job with the time that they were allowed to do it. But there is only so much you can do with that little. And so you have to find ways of getting a bit more to help us get that last little bit. And you have to have athletes who are prepared to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning and do their training before their work or their studies. And then, you know, spend, you know, 10 weekends in a row traipsing down to the south of England to play two or three T20 matches and then traipsing back up again and arriving in Edinburgh at three in the morning and going to school the next day or arriving at Edinburgh at one in the morning, but still having the next four hours to go because you actually live near Aberdeen somewhere. So it's really challenging for everybody involved. So it's challenging for the CEO and the, and the board. It's challenging for the coaching staff. It's challenging for the support staff. You know, how do you properly do strength and conditioning with a team when you don't get to see them very often? You know, how do you help them with their strength and conditioning how how do they access good physio when they need it you know there are so many different parts to this and I probably one of the answers would be if somebody would like to give Cricket Scotland a big chunk of money because we have the most amazingly marketable players you know in both teams and in the younger in the age group teams as well we have these fabulous athletes who are just brilliant people and you know who are amazingly marketable but of course nobody sees them because we don't have the media coverage so as soon as you get to see them then they're immediately more marketable um they're just you know it's like a spider's web of if only if only if only if we could just if only we could just do that and you know you could go mad just going through it in your head but instead of that what we have to do is say well Control the controllables, like proper athletes. What's under our control? What can we do? So our individual athletes can work really hard at their sport and try and be as efficient. So train smart as well as training hard. Our coaches can try and just give their team as much time on task as they can. Our CEO will try and make it so that there is as much funding going into the international teams as there can be and in the pathways as there can be whilst also having all the development work to do so we can work with some charities um, on some of the development work get some funding joint funding for that which allows us to free up a little bit of money to go into other areas but it's it's you know it's robbing Peter to pay Paul often and it's really difficult Um, and people like me can do as much as we can as volunteers you know, we're all part of this. And if we can all do our, you know, very best, if we can all work at the top of our pay grade, then hopefully we can get ourselves over the line of of getting full membership. And then there are different challenges, but they're different challenges. And then, or even before then, you know, I would really like to see the ICC support the sort of next chunk of women's teams like they do with the men's teams to play some international cricket against each other in a cricket league of some sort. You know, give our players that opportunity. Give them that experience. It keeps you in the game apart from anything else because if it's all just hard work, 
and you don't really get a chance to play any international cricket, then life sort of takes over. So yeah, it's a very complex spider's web. um, And I try not to let it get me down that, you know, if only I was a millionaire and I could just chuck a chunk of money at it, then we might be able to help us get over the line. And even our full-time women's head coach is going to have to work with the development team as well. So, you know, there's, there are lots and lots of challenges, but there is huge passion and huge drive from within the whole community to try and help us just get a bit further. And I think we've been almost there for a long time. And that's one of the frustrations. So for the people that have been involved for a long time, you sort of feel like you're just in a holding pattern above Heathrow, you know, and all you just need is that little, that little window and we can land. But it's just finding the window can seem really difficult at times. But I'm not going to be negative about it because that's not who I am. So I'm going to take a pragmatist approach and say, right, what can we all do that will help us get over the line? What can we what can I do that will help our players play to their very best at the times that they need to? And that's why I do the the manager role, because I feel that if I do that, then they have more chance of being their best then. Um, and, you know, winning becomes a habit, doesn't it? Um, so we, you know, it would be really nice to develop that habit and also for the games not to be so sporadic that each time you play, you've got another new young squad. You know, it'd be nice to keep the more the, the more senior players in the game, in the international game longer, because they bring with them wisdom, intelligence, game sense, presence and experience, whilst also having opportunity for the youngsters coming in to feel that they're part of something amazing and to to really uh, encourage them to feel that being an international cricketer is now, as Sarah and Catherine have said, is now actually a realistic ambition to have, even if you come from Scotland. And just to conclude, what are your hopes for yourself and for Cricket Scotland for 2021? Well, I hope we get some cricket for starters. That would be good. I hope that all our players in our international teams, I hope we can enable them to perform at their very best. Because I think if we can do that, then our aims for the international teams are for the men to do well in the World Cup and for the women's team to qualify for the World Cup T20 and also to qualify for the Commonwealth Games. That would be huge. So I have my other hat on as Team Scotland Commonwealth Games team manager as well so I've been doing my personal journey through the Commonwealth Games team Scotland set up learning to be a good manager so hopefully that will come in you know and work well and we can qualify for the Commonwealth Games too because that would be amazing uh, with it being in Birmingham and all and at the same time I hope that we can reach out to lots of people and make them feel welcome as part of our community and you know help them choose cricket help them come in and have a go and feel that we won't judge them we will welcome them whoever they are, whatever age they are, whatever sex they are, whatever ethnicity, whatever religion, whatever their ability or disability. You know, I want them to feel welcome as part of our community. And then we will have a strong, vibrant cricketing community in Scotland. Thank you so much, Sue, for giving up your time and chatting to us. It's my pleasure to talk to you. So such a fan of your work. Thank you. We're always a fan of yours. Where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to keep up to date with all that you're doing? I'm mostly on Twitter at Sue underscore Strachan. I've also got an Instagram account and I'm trying to get better at that. But as you know, I'm quite old and so it's a bit difficult for me, but I'm doing my best. 
So I'm Strachan Sue on Instagram. And hopefully in the near future, they will also be able to find the president's blog somewhere. I'm not quite sure where it's going to be. Twitter's probably the place I'm most comfortable. I've had a couple of answers from Judy Murray. So, you know, it's Twitter for me. Try cricket one day, she says. So I'll let you know when she's going to do it. Yeah, that has to happen. Yeah, I think she'd be quite good. So I'm thinking maybe a some sort of celebrity and the Wildcats softball cricket tournament in Edinburgh late summer, maybe. That would be cool. Genuinely, I think that is brilliant, though, because, again, it's a different audience that she'll attract to the game because yeah. there are crossover skills and there's a serious element into that, isn't there? That's genius. And, you know, she'll be like we were when we first tried our indoor cricket as a sort of ramshackle bunch we we traveled to this indoor tournament saying oh we just no idea what we're doing we'll just have some fun and then we got on and we're like okay we really need to try and win now because we're all really competitive and we just couldn't help ourselves yeah no 100 because it is meant to be fun and now my brain is going down that media marketing route and it's just absolutely like going crazy in my head always always keen to hear people's ideas <laughs> but yeah thank you so much for sparing your time to chat to us because Alex and I have both thoroughly enjoyed it and will take away so much inspiration, which I think our listeners will also as well. So just a huge thank you for having me, you know, um, and I'm sorry I ramble on a bit, but once I get going, then I just become all passionate and I can't keep it in any longer. If anybody needs a hint of inspiration, I'm sure this podcast episode will certainly send them in their way. Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you. Massive thank you to Sue for coming on and being our seventh and final guest for International Women's Week. And this concludes our week of episodes for International Women's Week. We really hope you've enjoyed them. And this is just a note to say we are so grateful for your support over the past couple of months. But we are taking a break. But don't worry, we'll be back in April. So that gives you enough time to catch up on any of the podcasts you've missed. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat and on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. And if you wanted to give our personal Twitters a follow, Hannah is at HannahT1194 and I'm at Alex Jane Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time.